You're listening to audio from First Christian Church. To find out more about us or to donate to our ministries, visit firstabq.org. Hello, I'm coming to you via live recording from my home here on our back porch. First Christian family continues to gather across the state here to meet live on YouTube stream or meet face-to-face on Montgomery Boulevard or meet later during the week by watching the recording. So wherever you find yourself, I thank you for making the time to worship God here and to explore the Word of God from my back porch. Why am I on my back porch? Well, I'm glad you asked. Our family needed to make a trip to see my father who has stage four cancer and he's completed his chemo. We also needed to take Nathan to college. These interstate trips are discouraged right now for obvious reasons. So we chose to consolidate them to minimize our quarantine. Spent two nights with my folks in Oklahoma and a few days taking Nathan to school, to church, to his dorm, and to move in. It's been an emotional haul. These trips were so very good and so important. And again, I express my thanks for your prayers, for our kids, for my father, for our continued ministry together here at First Christian. Dad's doing well. He's not in remission. Cancer in his lymph nodes has shrunk and the cancer remains in his bones. His current treatment is a hormone therapy and a growth medication. His spirits are good, despite a lot of discomfort and pain. So again, thanks for your patience and understanding our need to quarantine after our exposure in these different states. While we're talking about prayer, I have an ask for you. Would you pray for your elders and your ministers over the next couple of months? We've been talking about our mission for over a year. Things have been coming together and clarifying for us in our focus about what this means for us in tangible actions. So rather than unveil a phrase or a video or what, what, what we could do like that, we want to, as a group, figure out what this looks like in our own life, to clarify that mission in our own life. What does it mean to follow Jesus in my life? So starting in September on the 13th, we're going to invite you into that same process of imagining how you might follow Jesus. Be something of a soft launch. We won't really do anything fanfare-wise. But in our annual meeting in November, that's when we'll maybe bring out the confetti, so to speak. So for right now, please pray for your leaders, for your elders and your ministers as we consider personally what it means to follow Jesus. Being today here at my home and while traveling to see my family, I've been thinking about home. It's a word that means a lot. It's almost a collage of meetings, pain, joy. Some of you had a great home. Others of you didn't have such a great home. You made choices about how to raise your own family. During this pandemic, we're growing tired of time spent inside the four walls of an apartment or a dorm or a townhome. And this summer series of At Home with God seeks to match kind of the scattered feel we feel this summer with scattered scriptures all over scripture so that we can find our home in God. We've in the first week looked at finding new turf of choosing between life and death. In week two, we looked at how we might fear the Lord. And in week three, we looked how we might listen for God in the Shema prayer. And we've had other great speakers as well inviting us to look at Jonah who couldn't see the big tent of God's love or of a lukewarm kind of Christianity. So this theme of at home with God has kind of been connecting these scriptures. 
So, I went home this week to see my folks. Not this week, but previous weeks. My folks live in Edmond. Now, I don't think of Edmond as my home. It's my parents' home. Last week, we took Nathan from home to be moved into the dorm. But Albuquerque was only his home for like a year. He was born in Denton and spent most of his life in Abilene. But whenever he comes home, he'll be coming back here. We visited my grandma, probably the closest place to a Bryce family home there in Altus, Oklahoma. Been there for more than 130 years, where not only my dad and his parents were, were born, but other family members as well. But I have not lived there. Well, we lived there for about four years. Don and I even lived there for a bit. So it's the closest thing to a family home. But what is it that makes home home? Is it a place? Is it people? Is it a structure? Well, I want to invite onto the porch today the Apostle Paul, this first century Palestine writer, preacher, apostle, who lived something of a split home. He had a Greek father and a Jewish mother. He was culturally bilingual, trained and immersed in Jewish schooling in the hierarchy of the Pharisees, but also very aware of the influence of the Greek Empire. Paul, Paul not only saw division, but he used division. Well, I wonder if Paul might feel at home in his own home. Now, I can't speculate about that, and I don't really like to do that. I assume he was fine because he was thoroughly immersed in Judaism. But the radical shift between following Jesus and following the Jewish ways was big. Perhaps you're someone who didn't feel at home at home. Maybe you don't feel at home in your own skin. Maybe you feel those sense, those times when you lack a sense of belonging. Sometimes we might even be on the other side of the wall, defending it from outsiders or strangers who we have this good thing going on inside and we don't want them to come in to affect our school or our family or our club. Maybe because they don't fit our sense of right and wrong. In fact, there's a lot of discussion now about how to build a society that recognizes those who are left out. How do we deal with centuries of separation and division because of class and gender? How do we ensure that black lives matter? that women are affirmed and paid equally and treated equally? How do we support the poor and the massive middle class from the influence of the wealthy and the super rich? How do we all have a positive contribution to society? Paul was aware of this insider-outsider mentality. And if you feel like you've been on the outside, this passage seems to answer what it looks like to be in the house of God. If we were to paint the house of God or imagine what it looks like, where would we start? We could host discussions about it, what it should look like, what's the foundation. Paul's brief letter to the Ephesians describes the house of God. In a way, I picture the type of porch that God has created, empowered by the Spirit. God's porch, church, is the location where the walls are down. And he preached, as Jesus preached, peace to those who are far and to those who are near. Christ is our peace. In Jesus' own body, he became our peace. He tore down the walls that separate us, even these cinder block walls of our porches, to where we could become one singular people. 
How does it happen? Well, it's worth your while to slowly read this chapter in Ephesians chapter 2. It provides bedrock theology. Through Christ, those near and far have been brought together close to God in one spirit. Some are on the run from God. Some are near to God. But the Jew and the Gentile are giving access to God through one spirit. We reach the spirit through Jesus' work. It's a truth that's allowed many to be changed. It's a porch that allows whites and blacks and Africans and Europeans and Hispanics and natives and Pueblos to be on the same place. The Holy Spirit gives us access. It's beautifully described in Ephesians 2.18 where we get this sense of God, Father, and Holy Spirit recognizing that we're all brought near to the table of Christ. Because of God, all these previous designations are not important. We don't have to see ourselves or one another as strangers to God. We're not foreigners. We're citizens. We're part of the family of God. The porch is also a place of destruction. Jesus came in and destroyed the walls that separate us. He has a memory, uh, a ministry of, of destruction. Destroying the walls of culture and society and economics and politics. The powerful work of Jesus calls these wall, causes these walls to, to crash into dust. And let's him become our reconciliation. There's no supremacy or superiority. No one's given priority. Because of Jesus, we are immersed in this capstone, this place of submission, walls of division, these pedestals are crushed. Similar to an extreme home makeover, there is a destruction that comes in building this house that destroys what separates us. And Jesus came into a temple that had separations for men and women, those near to God like the Jews and those far away like the Gentiles, and even a place for commerce. All these places of money and prayer and group separated out shows Jesus coming in and driving out the moneymakers, saying, no, this is going to be a house of prayer for all nations. Jesus provides the unity for all nations. The church could capture this spiritual destruction by our own actions to remove the walls, to remove these carefully constructed reasons for not fitting together. The front porch is also a place of construction. Just as Jesus separates what divides us, through Christ, the near and the far have access to God. That's astounding. Construction is not just the action of Jesus, but it's our action. Jesus' destructive tirade in the temple probably caused the end of his life, but it brought about a place where he was the master craftsman of bringing people together. Jesus is the cornerstone that stone hewn out of one piece to set the direction of one angle and another could even be the capstone the top and most important stone either way capstone or keystone verse 21 states the bottom line in jesus the entire structure is joined together and grows jesus aligns everything there's no escaping jesus as the most essential ingredient so let me stress the message of this passage you are a temple built by God, in which God is right at home. You're God's custom-built home. 
He's so satisfied with you that he's willing to move into you and continue his work in you. It's almost like God sees you as you are, takes you as you are. It's more exciting as he sees our perceived flaws, the place that we first glance in the mirror, the internal beatdown we give ourselves about our sins or our characteristics, what we don't like about ourselves. But those don't keep God from buying into us. He loves us as is. He moves in and makes things better. He doesn't fix everything. He doesn't complain about your hair color, body parts, or the paint job. He works with you in a way that makes you better. He makes a mansion out of you. Automatically, things can begin to change when God becomes what God wants to be inside of us. So if we feel like outsiders to ourselves, to others, in the house of God, we belong. We're part of the family. We can't escape our identity as children of God. We can refuse it, but it doesn't change the fact that we are children of God. Well, this story is not just an individual job. He's not just interested in you alone. Some people have a self-esteem that's pretty healthy and they just assume God's ready to dwell in them. Well, realize that this you is plural. The southern y'all, as much as I hate to say that word, it does recognize something lost in English. It brings out an important point. One, that once we're on the inside, we are a part of the love and inclusion of God. All those who may not even be yet living in the family of God. It's much like the desire we have for our own opinions, where we're longing for a day when people come to our side. We want people to get into our camp. In this text, we catch a different perception of reality. We're already one. The hostility's dead. Christ has created oneness. Christ is our peace. He's broken down the hostility between Jews and non-Jews, between the people of God and those who don't see themselves as the people of God. It's just not open for debate or discussion. It's not something we have to construct. It's simply true. Christ is the peace, the new humanity. So being at home with God means that we recognize God is building us into a dwelling place for himself. He's constructing someone to grow with. It means that we also participate in constructing room for God on one hand and destroying the walls that separate us from others on the other. It means that in Christ we are at home with God. What a blessing. What a blessing to be a part of this family and to see how God is bringing us together into one. It's a constructive work. It's also a destructive work, but in a sense of knocking down the walls where we can see off the porch and out into the world. Let's pray. God, thank you for this word from Ephesians chapter 2, 17 through 22. This little piece of an important letter from Paul. Help us to get a vision of how Christ is bringing us all together. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.